0: Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. People make assumptions about each other based on appearance, personal affiliation, or both. A well-dressed person is assumed the better candidate. Good taste is mistaken for competence or moral credibility. Worst of all, people judge each other by association as though a person's social circle, identity, family, or organizational affiliation have any bearing on their knowledge or wisdom. For instance, one might assume that the Pharisees, Israel's learned religious teachers, would understand Jesus. One might also assume that the disciples, the closest associates of Jesus, would be the first to grasp his parables, let alone his plain explanations. But in the Gospel of Mark, it is a woman from a nation that is neither holy nor modest, who has no trouble accepting the criticism of Jesus, or her station as the lowest and the least in his presence, a Gentile dog. In this way, Mark demonstrates the teaching of Paul. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Richard and I discuss the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 to 30.
1: You're listening to the Bible as Literature.
0: Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, And this is Dr. Richard Benton. And you are listening to episode 167 of the Bible as Literature podcast. Just last week, we saw Mark carry his argument about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit to its fulfillment in the refusal of the disciples to understand the obvious. Not just the disciples, but the scribes and the Pharisees. The learned men, the men on the inside, the men who have the privilege of being entrusted with the work of teaching don't understand.
1: And it's not just their inability to understand metaphor. I mean, in the last episode, they weren't able to understand clear language when Jesus just said it and repeated it over and over again. They still couldn't understand.
0: One plus one equals two. Oh, Jesus, so what you're saying is that if you take a one and add a one, you get a three. No, I said one plus one equals two. I'm not following, I I don't get this. No matter what Jesus says, no matter how straightforward and simple it is, they don't get it. And now we turn to a woman who represents everything that is the enemy and the threat to Judah, the Syrophoenician woman. And, unlike the disciples, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees, this unclean, dangerous, scandalous female has no trouble understanding Jesus. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre, and when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. So once again, we have this dominant theme in Mark that Jesus doesn't like crowds. He also doesn't like going into houses because he doesn't want to be pinned down. Nobody owns the Bible. No community can say that they produced the Bible or they gave the Bible to the world Everyone who talks this way ends up being an abuser. Because if you gave the Bible to the world, then you're asking us to believe that you are God. His
1: job is to go out and spread the seed. He can't if he's sitting inside a house. I was recently reading an article about India. And this guy was visiting there for the first time and he was just shocked by the amount of poverty and being surrounded by poor people all the time. He was sitting in a restaurant and he was eating and he saw this couple just dirt poor in a literal sense. I mean, filth covering their bodies. And he bought another meal and handed it over to them and they gobbled it up. And then uh, and when he left the restaurant, a swarm of people said, Can I have some food? Can I have some food? Can I have some food? And he realized there's no way he's going to feed everybody. Even Mother Teresa did not get to a point where she finally helped everybody. And she dedicated every moment of her life waking and sleeping. Here Jesus has to understand, he must understand, he's not going to teach everybody but it's his duty to teach as many people as he possibly can in his physical life.
0: And the sad irony of Jesus is that if he makes an appearance in someone's house they're gonna forget what he said and brag about the fact that Jesus was in their house This is the critique of religion. This is the critique of Israel. It's the critique of the church. It's the power of the resurrection. You want to keep Jesus in your house, but he keeps breaking out. You want to hold him back. You send crowds who are interested in the wrong thing to slow him down, and you can't in the Gospel of Mark, because he's on a mission from his father. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, immediately came and fell at his feet. There's that beautiful word again, ephes. At this point in this series on the Gospel of Mark, it's just good to keep calling it out. It's a persistent anchor point in the Gospel of Mark. It ties together the whole narrative, this word, immediately. And here, as I've said, this is a Syrophoenician woman who's responding with the same urgency As the disciples who represent the 12 tribes. Now one thing that makes me nervous about this is that we haven't seen a lot of
1: respect paid to these people who show up box Jesus in in a house and demand that somebody be healed and so when I first read this I start feeling uncomfortable because I'm like oh great another person who wants to take up Jesus time to be healed because we've seen time and time again people want to be healed but who knows what actually happens to the teaching. That's the problem, and so when I first read this, my first reaction is, uh, let's see what happens with this woman, I'm nervous.
0: But the test, as you say, is in how the person seeking mercy responds to the commandment, to the teaching, to the judgment. That's the test, the proof is in the pudding. Now, the woman was a gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So
1: this is even worse. She's a Gentile, Syrophoenician, and then she's persistent and annoying when Jesus is trying to be by himself and all she can do is just keep bugging him to cast out a demon. And he's been doing this all this time and we know that this is not what Jesus' main job is.
0: Now, here's the test of a teacher. Jesus is irritated and bugged when people are wasting his time. It's not because of his comfort. Most people get irritated and bugged because it impacts their comfort or their convenience. Jesus gets irritated when he's distracted from his primary mission, which is to teach. So let's see even how Jesus's attitude changes based on how she responds to his judgment. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus is doing two very important things here. He is hitting her hard with judgment. He is saying something that to a Semite of any type, not just a Jewish person or what we would call modern Semites, the Arab people, but the people of the Near East shared certain cultural mores One of them was this fear of things that are, you know, unclean or dirty in a general sense, not a religious sense. And so to call someone a dog is pretty rough. It has that kind of vulgar feeling. And he's calling her a dog because she's a Gentile and a Syrophoenician.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's actually very racist. Jesus is making a racist comment here against this Syrophoenician woman. And what's interesting also is the Syrophoenicians were known at this time as being traders t-r-a-d-e-r-s they were rich they were merchants they were known for traveling all over the mediterranean and they were generally pretty wealthy and so to say that they're dogs who are trying to be satisfied can also be understood as a cut against them for being rich in general because they're already so rich why are they asking for even more from Jesus and Jesus is just trying to get the word out to his own people for heaven's sake when will you people be
0: satisfied so that's part A of this instruction that Jesus has announced this judgment I'm going to hit you hard just like I hit the disciples and I hit the scribes and the Pharisees you're a dog deal with it That's part A. Part B is I'm going to give you the wisdom with the bad news as mashal, as parable, as metaphor. So I'm going to insult you and then I'm going to offer you bread but I'm going to offer it to you not in your language but in the language of the text. Classic scriptural wisdom. The difficult part of the message is unavoidable. You are a dog. And then the life-giving part of the message that flows with that difficult point comes as a parable. Now you would expect a Syrophoenician woman, someone interested in trade and possession and wealth and materialism, an enemy of Judah, you'd expect that there's no way that this woman could understand what the heck Jesus is talking about. But just like we hear over and over again in the Old Testament, It's always the outsider, the person who's not from Israel, who understands the prophet. It's the insider that misses the point. She understands Jesus. This is a huge slap to the 12 disciples.
1: Who couldn't understand plain Greek in the last section.
0: And were too proud to accept that nothing good comes from them. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. In other words, she said, number one, I am a dog. I have no difficulty understanding that I'm the problem and that I'm the greedy person, but I'm not going after money. She accepts this premise right away. Okay, fine, I'm a dog. But what I'm going after is the word. And I understand that what you did is take the crumbs and make this loaf that grew to feed 5,000. I understand that your purpose is to share this bread. And instead of chasing the almighty dollar, or in this case, the almighty denarii, I'm going to chase not even the loaf, but the scraps from the table of Bible study. And I'm fine with it. That is a statement, Richard. That is faith. That is someone who wants to learn Kung Fu from Jesus. She's not interested
1: in Jesus being enjoyable, presentable, entertaining, even pleasant. She takes the insult from him and understands that the insult is not simply an insult, it's a teaching, because the scribes of the Pharisees were insulted. Ouch! That hurt, Jesus. The Syrophoenician woman says, okay, fine, so I'm a dog. I'm still here. I'm still listening. You're not going to get rid of me that easily, Jesus. I'm sticking with you. The Syrophoenician woman ultimately understands that her value isn't how she conceives of herself. Her value is is she going to stick around and listen to something, even if it's difficult and unpleasant, because it's the teaching that provides food, provides bread, that is the bread that gives life.
0: Her value pertains to the teaching and not even the teaching in the way that the arrogant talk about the teaching as though they're so wise and so knowledgeable. She just wants a crumb. And she understands that a little crumb from the master's table can produce life for her. She gets the message. And he said to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. This is the antithesis of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because you, her mother, are willing to patiently take just a crumb of what I have to offer and once you do that and you chew on that crumb when you open your mouth to speak you have something of worth and of value to share with your daughter that isn't from you it comes as we said last week from the outside the word comes from the outside and it cleanses you and now you speak and your daughter is healed that's the gift Jesus is not applauding her. He's applauding her decision to submit to the master of the dojo. Significantly, the only action that happens is exactly what you're saying,
1: Father, the submission. She sets aside her will and her ego in order to do the right thing. Look at the way that Jesus phrases it. Because of this answer, you said something, but he doesn't even refer to you. The answer, the words themselves, because of this, the demon has gone out of He didn't say, because you said this, I sent the demon out. Correct. Jesus displays no agency. The answer came from you, and the demon
0: went out. And Jesus gets to go and rest again. Jesus is just standing back. The woman is just submitting. And through no act of either party, the word of the Father does the work. Jesus has been trying to show that it's not about
1: him. It's about his teaching. And here Jesus expresses it in a passive way where Jesus himself is doing nothing as a person. He didn't say, because you said this, I decided and I sent out the demon. No, Jesus said it all happened. So the hope in that statement is fantastic because even when Jesus is not there, there's still the potential that simply by the human being answering in this way to the words Presented by scripture not by Jesus the guy that they're having coffee with because of the teaching they hear from scripture that alone can cast the demons out and like when Jesus was dealing with Legion it was simply by a word that they were gone and they had to submit to the word that Jesus spoke when the Syrophoenician woman speaks the teaching that Jesus spoke The demons likewise submit.
0: Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman form a community in the spirit of Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians. Because they gather around the word of the Father, which Jesus carries, which Jesus represents metaphorically in the story. They gather around this word and... Although Jesus is the anointed one of God and the Messiah and the king of Israel, the king of the world, the king of kings, he humbles himself and makes himself like a brother to his sister before the gospel, before the teaching. And he submits to the teaching with her. This is the meaning of community. Jesus is demonstrating what community is. And as you said, even the demons acquiesce. This is what the power of fellowship means in scripture. But it can't be a fellowship based on sentiment. It has to be a fellowship based on wisdom because ultimately it's the wisdom that gives life where two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having left. No
1: one even got to see the demon leave that the demon
0: was just gone. It's a non-event. The real event, the real power in the story, the real miracle in Mark is that this woman, who everybody in Israel looks down on because of her identity. She made me very nervous at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the story sets you up to be suspicious, so it went just as it should. But this one understood the language of the Bible. How is that possible? It's possible because the language of the Bible is very simple. And this is the problem of philosophical theology. It takes something so basic. You're a dog, you're unclean, you are the abuser. It takes this very basic message. You're the one who crucified Jesus Christ. And it elaborates on it and builds a palace of words that are not scriptural words. And then that palace becomes yet another construction that stands between people and the simple truth, the simple beauty of the gospel. And the
1: gospel is the challenge that the scribes and the Pharisees and the disciples could not accept, which is they potentially are unclean. And the Syrophoenician woman, who admitted immediately, I know I'm unclean, but that doesn't mean I can't learn the teaching. This is the difference. Are you able to accept this word that says you're unclean and still cling to, to that word, that then teaches you wisdom.
0: That's the goal. That's the challenge. And everyone falls short, but everyone is responsible to keep sharing it and to keep making the effort to follow it. Thanks very much, Dr. Thank you, you, Father. Have a great week. Thanks.
1: You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening.